So the title of this episode is Short-Term Setbacks, and I don't know about you, but if you walked into a gym and the trainer said to you, at some point you're going to lift weights and it's going to be hard to lift them, it would be pretty comical if you just got really upset and said, screw this place, I'm out of here, you never said anything about hard work. Or if you were going to run a Spartan race and they said at some point you're going to have to climb over an obstacle. Or if you're playing sports and they said at some point when we're not practicing in a real game, there's going to actually be someone there playing defense on you. Yet in the short term, those obstacles aren't really seen as assets. They're just seen as obstacles. And that's kind of the nature of today's solo show. My name is Chris Lynham, and I am your host of Off the Floor, the show that is all about the learning process, the critical pivots along the way, and the positive ripple effects from those decisions. So to kick things off, we're going to talk about one of the best business moves Arthur Murray San Jose ever made, and that wasn't hiring me. It was actually moving me out of the new student department. You see, if you don't know, dance lessons cost money, and if you also didn't know, I was not a fan of dance lessons costing money. In fact, I was a textbook example of what Daniel Kahneman refers to in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, the anchoring effect. I could have been the test subject for it. Let's just break it down really quickly. The anchoring effect is essentially the reason why they'll show brand new cars at the front of the lot, and then they'll show the used cars at the back of the lot. You see a really expensive car at the front, you get anchored to a price point, then you see a less expensive used car in the back, and you think, what a bargain. Even if that used car is jacked up 80% over market value for the number of miles that are on the car. For me, unfortunately, I was the victim, not necessarily the victim, but I willingly participated in a group class at a nightclub when I first learned how to dance. And that group class was for $5. That's right. My dance partner and I, pre-Arthur Murray, would go to a $5 optional group class. Well, maybe optional isn't the best word. I think they were expecting us to pay $5, but from time to time, one of us would conveniently go to the bathroom if we didn't feel like the move was cool enough, worthy of our glorious $5 bill. So because of that, my value for dance lessons was stuck and anchored at the $5 mark. So I join Arthur Murray eventually, go through the training program, I get hired the whole nine yards, and the dance lessons, spoiler alert, are much more than $5. In fact, we're talking about over $1,000 in some cases for certain programs. And to me, that just seemed like exponentially different. What I didn't realize was it was exponentially different in terms of the delivery, in terms of the care and the professionalism, but I didn't see it that way. I was just comparing apples, unfortunately, to oranges, really, really fancy oranges. So considering if you've heard some of the previous solo episodes that the Arthur Murray San Jose studio was, to put it mildly, in a state of transition, I was one of the only options for new students that were coming in. And so I was a new student specialist, but that was very short-lived. Thank the Lord. 
You see, because my anchor point was so low and the cost of the lessons was so much higher than that, everything left over was waste. In fact, I would waste every opportunity for my students to continue on with their pursuit of a hobby in social dancing, and I would encourage them to leave the studio. I would tell them, you're fine. You don't need any more dance lessons. You'll be just fine the way that you are. I would say things to them, and it was clear looking back on it, that it was my personal feelings talking and not my professional recommendation. In fact, I don't even think I had formed a professional recommendation. It was just my feelings talking. So one day, they made the probably the very uncomfortable decision to have a talk with me about transitioning from the new student department into the advanced student department, where I would go from getting brand new students coming in for the very first time and then move into a department where I would have to rely on students working with me over a longer period of time and hopefully retain students that had transitioned to me. This took a little bit of work. And let's just pause for a second. Let's talk about what value really is. You know, it's tough for you to find value in a movie that you haven't seen. It's definitely tough for you to find value in a vacation that you've never gone on. So if someone's sharing all of the glorious highlights of any of those experiences that you haven't experienced firsthand. It's really like you're renting an idea before you're really owning and you're staking claim that you're investing in that idea. I believe that value is something that you definitely have to experience. You can only rent it for so long from somebody else's lips and somebody else's stories. So prior to that point, I hadn't really experienced the value of what Arthur Marie and what dance lessons could do for somebody. All I really had experienced was the value of dancing, but not really the byproducts per se. And then everything changed with one moment when a student walked in who was the shyest person that I have ever seen in my life. She was so shy that she took so long to walk across the dance floor and in the same way that if someone walked in and was striking and looked like a celebrity and they had the paparazzi following them and you might stop everything that you were doing, she did the same thing, but for the wrong reasons. She walked in and it was as if she was navigating through a minefield. And that minefield was everything outside of her comfort zone. I watched her walk in, I watched her schedule her appointment, and lo and behold, she ended up on my schedule. So I didn't know much about her when I first met her. Obviously, she was very shy. She was very reserved. So being that I had also been very nervous to walk across the dance floor, I definitely could feel for this woman. In fact, she came in with her daughter, and her daughter seemed to emulate exactly how she walked in as well. And so when I first taught her her very first lesson, I needed to break the ice. I needed to do something to raise her spirits, to maybe get her out of that feeling of shyness. So I knew I needed to do something, and so I started to talk to her and found out that she spoke Mandarin, and that was my in. I love languages. I'm not as good as my brother is, but I am definitely very, very interested. And so what I decided to do that seemed like just an off-the-cuff thing at the time and I look back on it, and it was something that I've continued to do ever since, is I decided to make her the teacher. I asked her to teach me some Chinese while I was teaching her dancing. Immediately, her body language started to change. She started to give me some drills. We were doing some of the different four tones of the Mandarin language. So we were doing ma, 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 and going through these different 
exercises and drills, and the entire time her spirit started to lift, and I realized that I was starting to make an impact. So lo and behold, a few lessons into it, she decides that she's going to move forward with a program that in any other version of my history, I would have been against someone trying. But I realized that she was shy, and she was starting to not be shy, and I was kind of having something to do with it. And so she decided to start what we call our bronze program, and she started that program, and it's normally a six-month to a 12-month program. And then I made a deal with her. I said, if you keep teaching me Chinese and I keep teaching you dancing, by the time that you make it through the four levels of bronze, I will be able to teach your whole lesson in Chinese. And she looked at me with full eye contact, and she said, you have a deal. A little bit later, I find out a story. I decided to start asking her some more questions. We had been getting training on how important that is to really understand what dance can do for somebody. And so I asked her, you know, who else knows that you're taking dance lessons? And she said, well, you know, just my daughter and my son. And they think, you know, my son thinks I'm crazy and my daughter just comes here with me. And then I asked about her husband and she told me the story that probably changed my career trajectory forever. In fact, I've gone on to tell this story in every training program that I've done for new staff when we talk about what dancing can do for people. It turns out that her husband knew how to dance. Her husband was working six months out of the year in Asia, and every year at Christmas time, they would have a Christmas party with dancing. And because he had learned a little dancing in college, he would dance with all of the ladies there that knew how to dance, and his wife would sit on the sideline, and she would say that she wanted him to have a great time. She had gotten to a point where she had convinced herself that not only was he a good dancer, and not only did she want him to be happy, but because she was a bad dancer, she figured it'd be better for him just to dance with other women. And so for 17 years, she watched her husband at every Christmas party dance with everybody but her. As soon as I heard that story, it was like the Rocky theme music was playing in the background. I love a good training montage in any movie. And immediately I started thinking about the training montage that I was going to take her through. My goal instantly changed for this woman. And I think I said something to the effect and probably a very serious tone of voice. This time, at this Christmas party, everything's going to be different. So we got to work. This woman went from taking one lesson a week to two lessons a week. And eventually it got up to over 10 lessons a week. She was learning every dance that we taught. She was moving through the levels so rapidly. And before you knew it, it was time for her to do her first solo performance. In fact, she wasn't just doing one, she was doing two. And then I find out her husband, who I didn't mention up until this point, was a black belt in karate in addition to being a really highly sought-after guy in the tech field. I find out that he's showing up to the performance. And it's not just showing up. This guy came straight from the airport, like standing in the doorway of the dance studio with suitcases and a taxi driving away. So here we are, we're performing... We did a foxtrot and a rumba. I'll never forget it. And I see this guy, and I just can't shake him from my vision because he's standing right in the doorway with no expression on his face. And this is the very first time that he's seeing his wife dance ever in his life. In addition to that, this woman, 
who was a petite woman already, had already gone down two dress sizes. I guess for most people, like, <laughs> that might not seem like a big deal. For someone that's petite, two dress sizes is a really big deal. So she performs her two routines, and at the end of the event, he walks up to me with a stern look on his face and makes a direct line towards me. And he says, are you Chris? And it was one of those moments where you kind of want to say, it depends. <laughs> he holds his hand out, and he shakes my hand, and then he says, thank you for making my wife so sexy. And I'm stunned. I have no comeback. And by the way, like, what should you say? Yeah, you're right. Your wife is really sexy. Like, no, this guy's a black belt. It's, <laughs> they're married, you know. Uh, and so I was just silent. And then he leans in. He says, I need to take some dance lessons now. She is way better than I am. And that was my first real big moment where value was absolutely apparent to me. I understood completely what the benefits were outside of just the dancing. I was shaking hands with one of those benefits. In fact, her husband eventually started taking lessons and her daughter started taking lessons and their family completely changed. They were able to dance at the Christmas parties and I'm certain that that had a positive ripple effect for years and years to come. And we've all heard the expression, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And especially now in my case, I'll tell you, this was one of those situations where it was the opposite. It was when the teacher is ready, the student will appear. Had this student come in a little bit sooner, I don't think that I would have been prepared to be able to ask her those questions. Had I not had the training and the development and all of the options, which, of course, I held at arm's length. I mean, I hadn't experienced them. I needed to experience them myself firsthand if I was going to believe them, but they were all kind of waiting there. It was like an environment for me to eventually absorb and start to believe in. Now, if you can imagine, after all of that, my anchor was absolutely shifted. It leveled up by 10x. Instead of being anchored on five dollars for a dance step I was now anchored on a hobby that unlocks a life-changing benefit all of this became really apparent when a buddy of mine came in for dance lessons and he took a few lessons on a special friends and family program and when it came time to present the next offer that we had um, I asked our manager if it would be okay if I presented it to him and he said sure so he gave me a chance to kind of put a manager hat on for a minute. And when I showed him the cost, uh, he immediately, having been to some of those same classes that I had been to, he immediately said, I can't believe that you would charge that much for dance lessons. And now, having kind of gone through my own journey and value and understanding the benefits of what dancing could really do for somebody, I then asked him a question. We had a mutual friend who was deathly afraid to talk to girls, so much so that he would come up with all these random reasons why the girls that we would point out for him weren't good enough. Like, she's too tall, she's got blonde hair, I'm more of a brunette guy. And then it would all flip-flop, and really what it boiled down to was this guy lacked confidence. He had a great physique, he had a great job, he drove a great car. He had all the makings of somebody that would be easily somebody that would never have a empty Friday night on the dating schedule. 
And yet, he was consistently single. And it was all because he was stuck in his head. And so I asked my buddy, if you were our friend and taking dance lessons gave you the ability to walk up to a girl and ask her to dance without hesitation, how much would you pay for that dance program? Now, this program I was showing him was probably $1,000, and he paused for a second, and he was like, oh my God, I would pay a million dollars for that. And that was my moment where I realized that my anchor was completely obliterated, that I had moved on, that I had really seen the light. And even though my buddy didn't buy the dance lessons, he at least understood and validated why I was doing what I was doing and why I was so passionate about it. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with finding that something is too expensive. If you didn't hear it already, Tom Hopkins was on episode number 20 of the show, and he also kicked off season two. He's also one of the world gurus on sales, and when he talks about value versus price in his blog, one of the things that he asks to the potential client is, is the lowest investment your only consideration? Or is quality also important? And if you think about it, you know, quality really is the determining factor. You know, when we talk about things like great vacations, when we talk about great movies that we've seen, we're not just talking about how little we paid to participate in those activities. You know, another guru uh, in the sales industry is Zig Ziglar, and uh, the late Zig Ziglar. And he said, it's easier to explain price once than to apologize for quality forever. That kind of puts the phrase, you get what you pay for, in a whole different context. So, anchor. My anchor went from $5, and then it went to an indefinable amount based on the transformative properties of this hobby that I'm so fortunate to be a part of. I don't think that my student and her family and all the people that have probably watched her and her family over the years could have achieved what she achieved paying a bargain price of $5 for a dance move to be able to achieve the type of result that made her husband stop in his tracks, leave his suitcases at the door, shake my hand and tell me that I made his wife sexier and then plead for dance lessons. So I tell the story of this woman to every single new hire we have just to help communicate the ripple effects of what we do. You know, after all, dancing is the medium and it's the benefits of dancing that really deliver the value like we've been talking about. Now, the title of this meeting is actually The Tale of Two Students. And I should tell you about the other student in this scenario. Unfortunately, they didn't have the same experience as the first. The other student was a couple. It was a husband and a wife the guy was the flashiest lawyer. If you imagine the TV representation of a flashy lawyer, that's essentially what this guy looked like. And his wife walked in wearing a fur coat, which I am sure was not an imitation. And he pulled up in the, probably the most expensive car I'd ever seen. And in the same week that student A started her dance program, this couple, the flashy lawyer and his wife, started their dance program. Now, because the flashy lawyer wanted to be able to dance with his wife, he had no problem paying the price for the dance lessons. So here I am as someone who didn't really have an established value for the product that I was actually presenting. And in the same week, 
I have two students going on to these programs that were quite a big investment. But here's where things got different. While student A was taking lessons and understanding that there were goals beyond just learning how to dance, but the application of what she was learning, student B, the flashy lawyer and his wife, rarely showed up for their appointments. In fact, they would cancel every appointment that they had scheduled and show up maybe once a month. In the span of time through the calendar year, they had maybe taken 20% of the lessons that I had expected them to take. And with no surprise, I'm sure you can imagine that they weren't actually achieving the results that they wanted to achieve. By the second or third month, they were frustrated that they weren't making any progress. You see, the flashy lawyer wanted to pay for an immediate result, and he had no interest in the process whatsoever. So three cancellations and one appointment month after month ended up being about 10 to 12 lessons taken throughout the calendar year. All the while, student A was advancing level by level through our curriculum. After about six months, I remember asking student A, the woman who was getting ready to dance with her husband and wanted to surprise him, I remember asking her, so you don't work, but your husband works, and you said that taking dance lessons was kind of a surprise, so can I just ask you, how are you paying for your dance lessons? And then she shared with me that she was day trading on dividends from his retirement account. Her husband had given her permission to utilize any dividends that he had made, and she could day trade as she wished. And then she explained to me how she had made some really savvy decisions in the stock market, and that's how she was paying for all of her dance lessons. So when she wasn't taking her lessons, she was watching her kids and she was day trading on the side. And here we are on the flip side and we've got this flashy lawyer who's pulling out wads of cash and paying for things up front and yet not feeling any value. Here's the moral of the story. Out of those two students, who really got the desired result? Warren Buffett says that price is what you pay and value is what you get. But I think that that value is in direct correlation to how much time you dedicate. For me, I hadn't really put in enough time with enough students to see the true value of what dancing could do. I had spent limited amounts of time and based on my anchor point, I really hadn't established a value that went beyond just steps and patterns and things that we would teach on a single lesson. And in a weird way, probably the richest guy that ever walked into the studio was the poorest guy on the dance floor. See, he didn't really seek out any value other than some dance result that he was after. He wanted to throw cash and a check towards that result, thinking that that would solve his problems and make him the dancer that he wanted to be. And ultimately, I'm sure that he didn't find a lot of value in what he had thrown his money at. There's going to be a lot of big purchases in your future. And whether that's something that you're purchasing for your family or you're purchasing for yourself, ultimately, it is going to be a value decision when it comes to some of the big decisions in your life. So for some people, getting a good deal on front row seat tickets to the Backstreet Boys reunion tour is an incredible value because it's a lifelong ambition and it's something that is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And for other people, that might be the first ticket that they put on a ticket reseller site or an opportunity that they're willing to pass up. It's the backstory 
but it will always come down to the time that you've spent and the minutes that you've logged and the history that you have with that product or the derivatives of that product that will always determine whether that's a sound investment or not. We have plenty of people that have an opinion about the students and whether or not buying dance lessons is a good sound investment. But unless those people are great dancers who can see and feel the benefits and ripple effects from dance lessons, then it will always be something that they're judging without firsthand information. If you think about it, just by you listening to this podcast is an investment in itself. It's an investment of your time. It's an investment in your commute, in your workout. But what it comes down to is that investing in your happiness is something that is a personal decision. So whether this is something that you're investing in with your time or with your finances, if it is something that you absolutely care about, even if you're the only one, if you've spent the time and you've developed an affinity for it, then that has value. I want to thank you for investing your time in listening to this podcast, and I hope that there's something about this show that you're drawn to and that it's helping you in some way, whether that's with your hobby or your personal life or your career. So if this is hitting the mark for you, then I would absolutely love it if you could subscribe to our show off the floor on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Thank you for listening to this episode, and I want to say a special thank you to the student that changed my perspective on what dancing can do for people. Her name is Eileen Chung, her husband's name is H.L. Chung, and their daughter's name is Jean Chung. And Jean Chung, when I talked to you as a nine-year-old, I told you that whenever you're ready, you have a job with us at Arthur Murray. So if you're listening to this, make sure that you reach out and I'd be happy to touch base with you. Thanks for listening.